What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Great. Appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow there. It's at English Encore Podcast. I'll be doing a giveaway later in this week. Today is my 100th episode ever of this podcast. Greatly appreciate all the support given over the past year and a half or so. Uh, The journey's not over and it's going to continue to grind for everyone and put out some great Bills, Sabres, and sports content. Today's episode, we're going to be doing the Bills defeating the Chargers 27-17, going over that game. Talking about Jarrett Patterson's huge day for the UB Bulls as they stopped Kent State. And then I'll be talking about which Sabres players are going to be having the largest impact this year on whether or not the team is going to be successful. So starting off with the Buffalo Bills, moving to 8-3, and three, another big win for them yesterday. Wasn't the prettiest of games, but they did get the job done. Josh Allen had a very big injury scare um, that had a lot of people in Western New York holding their breaths. Looks like he is going to be okay. The defense has finally come to life. It's coming back to the form we saw over the past few years, and we're hopefully going to be getting some more with Matt Milano hopefully coming back this week. And then finally, after so many weeks of not having one, we finally got a run game established. So that was big. So coming into this game, the Chargers were fourth in the NFL in total offense. The Bills defense did an outstanding job shutting down Justin Herbert. You know, for as bad as a record they have, they're a very talented team, as I just mentioned, between Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Josh Kelly, uh, just very loaded on the offensive side of the ball, and their defense really isn't that bad either. They were missing a few pieces. But Joey Bosa was just a game wrecker yesterday. I believe he had three sacks. Um, So I'll touch on that in a little bit um, as well. But the Bills defense did a really nice job. Herbert, 31-52, 316 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They held Eckler to only 44 rushing yards in his return, so that was big. They came up big a few times after offensive turnovers, um, including a perfectly timed pick by Tredavious White. Um, that was just an interception that shows why you pay a guy like that. He read the quarterback's eyes, young quarterback, jumped the route perfectly, really changed momentum at that point in the game after it looked like the Bills were kind of giving the game away. The Bills offense looked good at times, had a little bit more trickery in them. Once again, Cole Beasley throwing a touchdown to Gabriel Davis. That's two straight weeks of a wide receiver throwing a touchdown. So definitely like Dable, including in plays like that. Allen on the day, 18 of 24, 157 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and he avoided that scary injury as I already talked about. The interception was bad. He definitely shouldn't have thrown the ball. His arm did get hit on the throw, but either way, it was a ball that it looked like it was going to be underthrown regardless. Um, after the game, there were pictures of Josh's left knee, um, and it looked like it had a pretty big brace on it, but he did come back into the game, and he was moving around very well and ran for a touchdown and he said it wasn't going to be anything going forward that um, was going to be affecting him 
So that'll be something that the Bills definitely need to monitor. But um, overall, I think the Bills were definitely very lucky just because the way it happened, it looked very severe how he rolled up. Originally, I thought it was maybe his ankle, but it kind of looked like his knee really got rolled up. Um, it was very fortunate that his leg kind of extended and didn't fully bend um, the other way. But it's definitely something that we have to be careful with. Josh has to be a little bit smarter in that situation. He could have just went down, but it was one of those where he's trying to make an extra play and it didn't go very well for him. And, you know, it's just something that we have to monitor going forward. And actually, Correction's on his right leg, not his left. Excuse me. I just looked at a picture of it again. But overall, I thought the offense did okay. Like I said, the run game was able to get going. Devin Singletary... 11 carries for 82 yards, so a big game for him. He did lose a key fumble, so that wasn't great. Zach Moss had 9 carries for 52 yards and had the worst unsportsmanlike conduct penalty I've ever seen in my life. He literally rolled over the top guy, stood up, and just flicked the ball, not even at the player, didn't stare him down, didn't do anything, and the ref flagged him. Um, the refs in this game were as terrible both ways. Allen also had 9 carries for 32 yards and that touchdown, so... Really nice by Dable to get the run game going. Gabriel Davis had a really nice game. Uh, caught the touchdown from Cole Beasley. Made an insane catch on a jump ball from Josh Allen on a free play late in the game. That really set the Bills up for um, what would have been hopefully a scoring drive. But the Bills ended up fumbling the ball. Um, or Josh ended up dropping the snap. And then he wasn't able to pick it back up. But he stepped up really well for the absence of John Brown. I still think the offense looks a little bit different without Brown out there. Um, I think Davis definitely did a nice job. Dawson Knox caught a touchdown. So there was some guys that stepped up. I would like the Bills take a look at Kenny Stills, who is just uh, waived by the Houston Texans, just because Brown's going to be out at least for three weeks, which I think is the right decision because you do need Brown late in the season and going into the playoffs if you really want to make a deep run. The offensive line was pretty concerning yesterday. Joey Bosa was just in Josh Allen's face almost every play. And going forward against the 49ers, going up against Bud Dupree and TJ Watt, and defenses like that, the performance on the offensive line yesterday is not going to cut it. Josh Allen's going to be in for some long games if they can't get that taken care of. So we have to be concerned about that. The turnovers is another big concern. Josh was taking great care of the football early on in the season. Past few weeks, he's been turning the ball over in the air and on the ground. Something he has to definitely, you know, fix and shape up going forward, especially against these better teams. They have been able to get away with it against, you know, teams like the Jets, like the Dolphins, and against the Chargers. And they were almost able to avoid it. Or they should avoid it against the Cardinals, but because of the Hail Mary, you know, Josh did throw two interceptions in that game. Um, so going forward, it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. The Bills will actually be going back to Arizona this upcoming week, as it was announced because of all the issues in California. San Francisco 49ers are not allowed to play on their field for at least three weeks. They're not allowed to have any sort of contact sport. So their next two games are going to be in Arizona. So this week's Bills 49ers Monday night football game will be played in Arizona. Not a great thing for Bills fans. They've, it's a little bit uh, too short in the memory for going back there after we lost to the Cardinals on a Hail Mary. But 
good chance to go in and beat a very solid 49ers team, even though they won't have Garoppolo. Nick Mullins has been playing pretty well. They beat the Rams yesterday. Um, a good test for the Bills. Still a really good defense. Very well coached. And a chance to get a little bit of revenge on that field. So, Bills are 8-3. and three. Great position for the playoffs. Right now, they're the number four seed and will be hosting a playoff game. We'll have to see what the NFL decides to do, if they're going to do a bubble or not come playoff time. I think that'll be something that we'll see in a few weeks because of the COVID um, amounts ramping up over the past few weeks. But we will see. Moving on to the next Buffalo football team, the Buffalo Bulls. UB stomped Kent State 70-41 to this past weekend. Jarrett Patterson put his name right in the Heisman voting. This guy had 36 carries for 409 yards and 8 touchdowns. That is just absurd. 11.4 yards per carry. And this is coming off of a game against Bowling Green where he had 301 yards rushing and 4 touchdowns. He is exploding onto the scene. He is climbing draft boards. This is a guy that everyone knew would probably be in that 3-5 to five round range for the NFL draft next year if he goes out. But this is a guy that's climbing into that potential second, third round tier if he continues to play like this. You know, Kent State for the MAC is a very quality team. I know everyone's going to say it's the MAC, but it doesn't matter who you're facing. Putting up 409 yards and eight touchdowns against anyone is just impressive. Buffalo is up to number 27 in the AP poll. The only team in front of them is North Carolina that got more votes outside of the top 25. Buffalo received 56 votes. They continue to win. I have no doubt that they'll be in the bottom half between that 23 to 25 range at some point in the season. They look poised to take the MAC title. The big question for UB going forward to me is that when they start facing some of the more quality MAC opponents, are they going to be able to throw the ball if Patterson doesn't have it going? Because so far on the season, their quarterback Kyle Van Trees has 753 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. He's been very good. But he hasn't thrown a touchdown in the last two games. And that's not an indictment on Van Trees because they haven't needed to throw the ball. But the big question mark for me is if these teams are able to slow down the UB run game, which is a very tough thing to do, will he be able to throw the ball and propel UB to wins in that fashion if they need him to do so? So I think that's going to be a big question mark for UB going forward. However, right now the Bulls are rolling. Uh... They're looking like they're easily going to walk away with the MAC conference. We'll have to see what some of the other teams have to say about that. Um, you know, beating Kent State, though, was definitely a quality when they were undefeated going into that game. The UB defense has been very good as well. So, going forward, I think the Bulls are definitely a team that everyone in the country should be watching, especially NFL scouts for Jarrett Patterson. And I, if he continues to play at this rate where he's putting up 250-plus yards per game, I don't care what conference, what school you're going to, he should be in that Heisman Trophy, you know, talk. You know, I don't think he's going to be in the top three or four, but his name should at least be thrown around in there for that. But definitely keep an eye on the Bulls. And then moving on to the final topic for today's episode, you know, last year, I was very fortunate that I called it perfectly about a player that was going to make a huge impact 
for the Sabres last year. And I said Victor Olofsson I thought was going to have an amazing year. I thought he was going to score 25-plus goals, which he probably would have had he not gotten hurt. And I thought I did a good job analyzing that. So I'm going to kind of go through which three players I think are going to have the biggest effect on whether the Sabres are going to be a playoff team this year and they can end the drought. So starting off with the player they acquired in the offseason, I'm starting with Eric Stahl. And I know a lot of people might think, well, he's a veteran player, he's older, you know, don't you think some of these young guys are going to have to have a bigger impact? The reason why I think Eric Stahl is vital to if the Sabres can make the playoffs or not is because he's the number two center. For so many years now, the Sabres have been lacking that number two center behind Jack Eichel. They had a guy in Marcus Johansson last year who's a really a winger playing center, and we just haven't had that depth. He's a guy that brings Stanley Cup pedigree to the locker room. He's going to play a major role in getting Jeff Skinner back to last year's production because if Jeff Skinner can't get back to producing, you know, 30 to 40 goals and putting up 50 to 60 points for this team, the Sabres are not going to be successful. And I, all throughout last year, I said I do not blame Jeff Skinner for any of the blame he was getting for not producing because he was playing with Vladimir Saboka, Marcus Johansson, Johan Larson, all these other guys. He was hurt for a little bit of time as well. It was kind of a slap in the face to him to put up 40 goals and then take him off Eichel's line, which you paid him $9 million, pretty much with the thought process of you're probably going to play him with Eichel so you can keep that production going. So I don't blame him. I blame Kruger more for that. And I understand Kruger's philosophy of why he was trying to spread out the scoring, but it clearly didn't work, and he let it go for too long, and Jeff wasn't able to get his game going. Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner played together when they were in Carolina. So I think if Stahl, even at an older age, this is a guy that just a few years ago was putting up huge goal numbers for Minnesota. If he can even get up to that 40 to 55 point mark and at least help Jeff Skinner get going, with also taking into account that either Sam Reinhart or Victor Olsson is going to be on the right side of that line, I think Eric Stahl is going to be huge for this team. And the other big reason why Eric Stahl is so important to this team is it's going to allow Dylan Cousins to learn and not be rushed into a second, third-line center role. He can play a third-line wing or third-line center, whatever they want to do, but he's going to be able to learn from Stahl and Eichel, and you don't want to make the same mistake they did with Middlestat and rush him up. I think Cousins is a no-brainer to be in the lineup this year for the Sabres just based on what he's been doing for Team Canada right now. Um, you know, in the red and white scrimmages and whatnot. And after watching him play for a year, um, I think he should be on third line right wing, in my opinion, um, because they brought in Eakin and brought back Lazar and what Arsu Rooster Lions been doing overseas. I don't think there's any rush to put Dylan Cousins in that position, but I just think Eric Stahl being able to teach Dylan Cousins for eventually going to be slotting into that second line role at center behind Eichel is going to do wonders for this team. The second player, and I think you can make the argument, is going to be the biggest reason why or why not Sabres don't make the playoffs, is Linus Allmark. Plain and simple. Goaltending and goal scorers are the reasons you win and lose games. And last year, the big reason why the Sabres couldn't win more games is because of their goaltending. Would the Sabres have made the playoffs last year had Allmark not gotten hurt? I don't know if they would have, but they definitely would have had a better chance than Carter Hutton, who could only apparently see with one eye. 
Um, the biggest thing for Allmark is he needs to stay healthy. And his team's only going to go as far as he'll take them. This is a big opportunity for him in a contract year coming back on a one-year deal in a possible new division with a lot of good goal scorers. It could be potentially, you know, Ovechkin. You could be going up against the Flyers' top guys like Couturier, you know, Panarin, all these guys. It's going to be a great chance for Elias Allmark to prove himself. Like I said, this team can only go as far as he's going to take them. Because in a shortened season, if he's if they're going to play 60 games, Almerich's probably going to have to play about 45 of them. Especially if their plan, if they don't change their backup plan and it's going to be Carter Hutton, there's no reason Almerich plays less than 45 because Hutton has proven the past two years he cannot be the answer in goal for the Sabres. And then finally, the third player I think the Sabres need to watch in a lesser role is Tage Thompson. They need depth scoring. Your top two lines are going to provide you a lot of scoring and are going to be a reason why you're in a lot of these games and why you should be in a playoff race. You're bringing back pretty much the same defensive core, and I have a little bit of concerns there, and I'm obviously hoping Okiaru and Dalene step up, but Thompson, Middlestat, Cousins, guys like that need to provide that third-line, fourth-line scoring role for the Sabres that they've been lacking for so long. Tage Thompson's a guy that they got in the Ryan O'Reilly trade and is really the only big piece. I know they have drafted Ryan Johnson, but Tage Thompson's the big piece of what can at least make that trade not look nearly as one of the worst in NHL history. Tage Thompson could turn into a 40, 50 point scorer. It'll at least lessen the blow of how bad that trade was. He's 6'6. He's got a big shot. He's a good playmaker. I think he's finally learning how to use his body. 2019-20 season of Rochester, 18 games, 6 goals, 6 assists, 12 points, plus 5. When they sent him down last year, 2018-19, 8 games, 6 goals, 3 assists, 9 points, plus 6. So he was doing exactly what you wanted for one of your young prospects, dominating at the AHL level. Unfortunately, got hurt in the first game. He got called up last year. I think this year he has a chance to be last year's Victor Olofsson. If he can step in and get you 35 to 40 points on the third line and show his ability to score the puck and throw his body around a little bit, I think it's going to be very valuable for the Sabres to get him going. And they just signed him to a new deal, so I think it's almost certain that he's going to be on this roster. Casey Middlesat, on the other hand, I think he could end up starting in Rochester once again. But Tage Thompson potentially playing with a guy like Dylan Cousins, and then either Roostaline and Eakin or whoever else they put at that third-line center role, even maybe Lazar. Um, I think Thompson has the ability to put up 30, 35 points if given the chance. I know in a shortened season that's asking a lot. Maybe it's more of the 20 to 25-point range, but um, Tage Thompson is going to be valuable for the Sabres if they want to end this playoff drought going forward. So those are three players I would watch, and that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, once again for all the support getting me to episode 100. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. I'll be back on Friday with another episode, and I'll also be doing a giveaway on my Instagram page on Friday. So please follow me there at English Encore Podcast and look at the details on Friday. I'll be probably posting it in the middle afternoon, probably between 2 and 4 o'clock, about how you can enter um, for the giveaway. So Stay tuned for that. Stay safe. Stay healthy. This has been an English Encore podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.